this is Carrie with Fullerton Professional Organizing, and today we're going to talk about a, a Kay Patterson. Uh, she talks about the mindset for an organized home, and um, she says, have you ever wondered why it's so hard to get your home organized, and why you can how you can even start without getting overwhelmed. Hopefully we will solve, she says, hopefully we will solve some of your home organizing problems and create a home that hugs you instead of the one that stresses you out. She says, in most cases, having an organized space will create more room for you to focus. It's really hard to focus when there is so much stimuli, stimuli around your home and especially around your workspace. Um, and she says what was actually a really mess, she says she was a really messy person until she was in her 20s. And then she discovered that she could use organizing systems that worked for her and that were easy for her and were easy for her to maintain. Um, and we're gonna recap later after I go over uh, a lot of her tips and points, then we'll do an overview at the end. And, um, but what she says is finding your why, and we've talked about this before, finding your why. Why do you want an organized space? Um, she says, think about some reasons that are actually individual to you because everybody is different and everybody has different reasons for wanting their space organized. Everyone has a different uh, threshold for their home. Um, what they are comfortable with. Um, so, she also says, I can create a calm space so that I can come in from the chaotic outdoor world and space and work life and all the things and have a nice home that hugs me. It's kind of like when you make your bed every morning and at the end of the day, you come home from work and you have one space in your home that is nice and neat and your bed is made and it's just a nice uh, welcome home. Um, now, she also says the first one that I really want to stress to you is that Americans and other people in other countries as well spend a lot of time looking for things they can't find, looking for things every single day. The average American spends over 55 minutes looking for items every day. If you add up all the min minutes you spend looking for things, you spend a lot of time working, a lot of time sleeping, a lot of time eating, what do you want to do with the rest of the extra time in your day? And a lot of time, people don't want to be spending it searching and looking for their keys, looking for their purse, looking for their socks and shoes, etc. Um, 
Now, having an organized space will create more room for you to focus. It's really hard to focus when you, there is so much stimuli around your home and especially around your workplace. However, if you have a very disorganized space and you're always looking for items all over your desk, it can create real, real stress. Uh, and you can really deteriorate your mental and overall physical health. So having an organized space can help you focus and help you stay healthy. It also saves money. Having an organized space can also save you money. There's so many times when you go to a, uh, you know, at, when you go to a client's home and you help them get organized and you pull all the stuff out and you find out that they have three bags of flour, they have, uh, you know, 10 toenail clippers or, you know, they have a lot of, and they have bought doubles of things, especially with double of things um, because they didn't know where it was or couldn't find it or just didn't want to spend the extra time searching for things. So being organized and being able to find things in your home very quickly will definitely also save you money. Now it also, so it will improve your overall state of mind. Uh, your brain and organizing. Your brain, when it comes to organizing and keeping an organized home, uh, let's see, you will find this doesn't get talked about very much because it's not an e as sexy as, say, matching containers uh, and buying shelves and buying hangers and buying all the cute stuff for organizing. But if you change your mindset around your home, this can really help in starting to get you organized by even before you start to declutter that closet, before you start doing anything, you want to make sure that you have that your brain right before you go in. There is a lot of emphasis on the pretty bins, the pretty baskets, the Pinterest worthy photos, all of that is great if you can maintain it, but if you can't maintain it, then it may not be perfect for you. Um, so there's a lot of emphasis on that. The and uh, very Pinteresty, very aspirational levels of organization that are fun to look at and may be achieved, but for most people, it's very unrealistic way to think about their space. Now, if you want to do all that stuff and you want to have perfectly spaced hangers and perfectly matching containers, that's totally something that's fine. However, most of the time, um, and this is her talking about her clients, but I've had this happen with my clients as well. Uh, you go into the client's homes to help them and I'm there to solve problems. Yes, the pretty Pinteresty spaces are fun, but they happen way after, after you've solved all the problems that need to be solved. And that's what she said. She says, I'm not there to create lovely photo ready 
spaces for Instagram. What really is at the heart of disorganization for most people and most problems in the home is that most people are discounting the relationship between them and the items that are in their homes. Um, you know, you have a connection to your items, and we learned this in another podcast. Um, you bought the items in the first place, so you must have some kind of connection when it came into your home. You loved it. You thought it was pretty. You thought it was going to be useful. You thought you would use it. Um, but somewhere as a clutter therapist, because when I'm with people, I often have to evaluate the relationship between the item and the person, the stuff in between. I am not there to be the quantity police or the item police. I'm there to help the client develop a functional relationship between them and their home. Relationships between your home and you can be totally dysfunctional or they can be great and fine. Now, first thing you notice. What is the first thing that you notice about your space? What words come to mind if I ask you to describe your space? How does the room make you feel? Those are problems that we may have to solve. Notice your answer to these questions and notice the way that you describe your space. You may have used words like cluttered, stressed out, anxious, overwhelmed, or neat, pretty, cute, organized, you may have used a number of words, but just notice the ones you used and which ones came to you the quickest. These feelings, these words that you use to describe your space are often a description of your relationship between you and your space. So at its core, the relationship between you and your space is very important. Negative interactions with your space. There was a very provocative study in 2010 that showed couples that lived in a disorganizational uh, disorganized space fought more. There was also a study in 2016 that uh, women e eating in a disorganized space made them eat more. So these are things to keep in mind. I don't know how true they are, but um, these were things that they say happen, can happen mentally as you, in a, a clutter, I mean a cluttered space. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, this in negative interactions with your space can definitely add up over time and create sort of a dis dissonance between you and your space and you want to be happy in your space so even optimizing the way that you relate to the items in your space um by the stuff in between you and your stuff you know if it's hard to get every time you need toilet paper if it's hard to get to the toilet paper it's just leaves you aggravated all the time so the, 
the stuff in between you and your stuff, the road to an organized home seems much more clear. Now, what is the problem you're trying to solve? We're gonna come back to that. What is the problem? Um, ask yourself because you can solve a problem, right? You can solve a puzzle and that is what an organization problems are. They are just puzzles to see how they fit together, how they work together. Uh, perfectly organized space mindset may not be the mindset that you want. The idea of a perfectly organized space, Pinterest-worthy space, often these are really, really, really staged spaces. And that's not actually the way that the person lives with them in real life. Now, on my Instagram, I do try to be these are real clients, so I do have real befores and real afters. Um, so, um, you know, we want real spaces that work for real clients. Um, that, that does, that Pinterest worthy stuff may work for some people, but I'm going to tell you very honestly that that doesn't work for most people and most realistic spaces are not perfectly symmetrical and they're not perfectly matching. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit myself. Now these, this, we're still um, learning about Kay Patterson uh, and her ideas and thoughts on the subject, but I'm gonna let you in on something that even me, I'm a professional organizer and I love Marie, a lot of Marie Kondo, if you are familiar with her, and how she folds everything into little packages and puts them in the drawers. Well, I love the file method that she uses, love it. But if I have to watch a video over and over and over and over and over, just for me to learn how to fold those items enough to tell you how to fold those items, then that's just not gonna be practical for my clients. So I have figured out another way to fold items that uses the Marie Kondo file method, but doesn't, but you don't have to use a, um, video to remember how to fold it. And that is your hand. This is the length. This is the width that most drawers are I have found. So when you fold things, you can fold them until they fit your hand and then fold it around your hand until it is that little package. Now, I have also found that most of the times that is threefold method. Um, if you have something very long, you're gonna fold it in half. First, you're gonna fold it to where it's about like this, but you don't have to. T-shirts can be from shoulder to shoulder. You can fold it in half from shoulder to shoulder, fold it in half, put in the arms, and then just fold it around your hand. And that will fit, make little packages to fit in your drawer. Uh, now, and same with your underwear and anything else, because your achievement is really to get it to be about this long and this 
height up and down when you're filing it. And it depends on how big the space is and how big you want that to be. But when you do fold it and file it in a file order, it is a lot better. It takes up a lot less space in your drawer. And when you pull out an item, it does keep it neater. So I just had to throw that in uh, for my clients. I have an easy, practical way of folding things that still keeps within the file folding method and uh, organization space uh, for the Marie Kondo method. All right, so now we're gonna get back to Kate Patterson's thoughts on organizing. So what works for some people, but I'm going to tell you very honestly that doesn't work for most people and most realistic spaces are not perfectly symmetrical and are not perfectly matching and are not perfect. You have to aim for pretty good space. You want to get to a space in your, a place in your space that is either good enough or pretty good. Um, but it will solve the client's problem and that is where you want to get to. Again, you want to solve a problem. You don't want to create a perfectly Pinteresty space. Now, if that perfectly Pinteresty space helps keep you motivated to keep it organized and decluttered, then that works for you. So you have to use the parts of these organizational systems that work for you. There's That's why I'm going over so many different organizers and uh, I'm talking about so many different people that declutter and organize because different, you can pick different things from different people methods that will work for you. You can tweak it to work for you. So go ahead, aim for the pretty good, good enough, you're good. Your results don't need to be perfect, it just needs to solve your problem. Now, organize for the person you are. Organize for the person you are and not the person that you want to be. Just because you want to be perfect doesn't mean it's possible and you've got to compromise with yourself and you've got to give yourself grace. Um, neat piles of clothes in my closet. Now this is, um, she says, Kate says that neat piles of clothes in her closet isn't really, pra is practical for her, but well, let me just read what she says. It's easier sometimes to read it and try to, and then instead of trying to interpret what she says. I would love to be that person who is all of these very neat piles of clothes in my closet. Now remember, she is a professional organizer. So let me read this again. I would love to be that person who has all of these very neat piles of clothes in my closet and takes one from the bottom and doesn't mess up the whole pile. That is not me. And that's why Marie Kondo says to do the file folder method, but I'm just interjecting that. Um, I am very messy. 
When I go into my closet, I grab stuff whatever, so I hang up most of my items and I can maintain a neat organization system that way. So you want to organize for your own behavior. She, you know, if, if you have some habits that you don't like, you can adapt the organization to fix that habit in a less intrusive way. She hangs everything up and it keeps her organizing mess, uh, neater, sorry, tidier. Um, you know, when I fold my t-shirts, I am able to take the whole stack, pick it up and put the other t-shirt underneath. But that's because I have a hanging cubed organized system. If it's in my drawer, it's going to be organized in a file system. So, um, I'm just interjecting that in there. It says, make it, making it hard and you're going to create, if you make it hard, you're going to create more challenges than you actually solve. Be mindful of the language you use when you're referring to your items. You know, Marie Kondo says, uh, what sparks joy, but... Uh, what Kay says is she usually encourages people to not refer to their items in their home as junk because who wants junk in their home? Not me, not this girl. And I often ask them to refer to it as you, and if you have a junk drawer, instead of referring to it as a junk drawer, it is now your utility drawer because the items in the drawer are often very useful and utilitarian like pliers, scissors, chopsticks. What else is in there? Matches, useful items. These are utility items which are useful and belong in your home. Now me, when I stopped thinking of that drawer as a junk drawer and a, I started thinking as that drawer as a utility drawer, well, guess what? Uh, it did, I did wind up organ, organizing it to be more functional. Um, I realized that we were always looking for a hammer, so I put an extra hammer in there. We're always looking for a measuring tape. Even though we have four, we're always looking for it, so I put one in the utility drawer along with batteries and anything else that is um, useful instead of just throwing you know, junk in there and calling it a junk drawer. Now it's more, it is more useful. So it can be, it can be twofold. It can be more respectful to your things, or it can help you um, keep only the things you need. Uh, so I want you to treat items in your home with a little more respect and get rid of the items that you actually think are junk. That is going, that, is going in change uh, that is going to change your mindset and it's going to make you take care of items in your home um just like that junk drawer when i you know heard the first organizer call it a utility drawer i was like oh <laughs> see even i have to learn new things as a professional organizer so it was able i was able to really keep what I need in that drawer. Uh, why is it hard to get rid of items? So in the 
depression era, era. And this is what I truly, truly believe because my grandparents uh, lived in that depression area, era and they passed along their habits to my mom and my mom tried to push those habits onto me. And those are things that are passed down in some instances. Uh, so in the depression era, it was very hard to get items economically. Uh, they were very, they were in a very bad place. So you wouldn't really want to be discarding items because you didn't know whether or not you were going to be able to replace them if you needed it. And even junk was recycled and reused in some form or fashion because they couldn't afford uh, things. So, um, so there was a mindset there where there's an idea of scarcity and that is why it's very hard for people in the depression era or those who grew up in the depression era to get rid of things or to become um, savers. I don't want to say hoarders because hoarders has a, a really negative connotation, but they became savers and sometimes um, they saved way too many things with a fear of getting rid of those things. Now, I want to interject right there that I had to go through some deprogramming of scarcity mindset myself. But the way I did it was I realized that God was my provider, and then it was a and I was a lot. I was able to let go of these things a lot easier. I felt like. If God gave me the things I needed when I needed them, then I could let go of the things I no longer needed and trust that he will help provide a way for me to have those items if I were to need them again. Uh, plus, Peter Walsh, and I have said this on podcasts before, Peter Walsh says you can let go of most items because most items you could go to Goodwill and pick them up for a real inexpensively if you found that you really did need them and got rid of them uh, prematurely. So those are things that helped me in my process of learning to let go of things. Uh, that scarcity mindset is in me was a lack of trusting uh, God to take care of me. So. Just keep that in mind because um, who's to say that we don't go through another um, economic uh, a time of e where we have to really trust God for everything that we have. Um, so let's just keep that in the back of our minds. Between 1945 and 1960, the average American income at median increased almost doubly. Uh, and, we and we created this great middle class of people who were able to afford more things and it just made people buy more things. And then what happened was they became, they started buying things the more money people had, the more money people had, they became buyers of things that were a status symbol. Fancy cars, fancy bags meant you were success, 
were a successful person and everyone knew it. If you went out wearing a Versace t-shirt with Versace on the front, everyone knew that you were successful and could afford to buy an expensive t-shirt. Now, that's the one thing. I have gotten past the scarcity mindset in my life as far as trusting God for what I need and um, also some of what I want, but uh, I'm still not the type of person that has to have things as a status symbol. Now, I have to admit, um, I do like quality, uh, quality over quantity, so I might buy a name brand item that may be in uh, last a lot longer. I buy things that will last a long time. Um, so it's, I'm not a name brand person. Uh, I, I don't have any name brand purses. Um, so um, I'm not one to feel like I have to have a status symbol um, even my home and doing videos for you guys, sometimes I go through the mind, it goes through my mind, oh, well, they're not gonna, you know, all the other YouTubers have these nice, uh, home, uh, big, nice, elaborate homes. I have an old home. I have an old home. What I don't show you may be the old tile that is the old linoleum that is chipping and peeling away because it's an old home. And yes, we do need to replace it. Um, but I'm not into all of that fancy stuff just to have fancy stuff. I have a small home because we can afford it. And if we can afford our home without being in a huge debt, then we can go out to eat when we want. We can. You know, we can help people in need when we want. Um, there are a lot of freedoms that comes to not being in debt, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> so let's get back. I, uh, needless to say, we don't need to hold on to items just because they're status symbols. That Anyway, but now we're going to 1960 when people just had too much stuff and they needed somewhere to put stuff. And so the storage units became a place, started out to be a place when someone passed away, you put their items there until we, till you could sort through it and uh, do what needed to be done when someone passed away. Or if you were moving, you put your items in storage until you moved into your new home or uh, you know, whatever. But now the storage units have become places to put your stuff when one, you didn't have the heart to get rid of it or even sell it. And you ran out of space in your, um, in your home. And I've, I have been guilty of that. I've told you that before I had a party venue, I bought extra furniture and things to fit in that party venue. Then when pandemic hit, I closed the venue, but I didn't have the heart to get rid of all my pretty items that I really did love and enjoyed in that venue. So I put them in storage, which I knew I shouldn't do. And I knew I didn't need to spend that extra $80 a month, but 
it gave me time to process which items I needed and which items I didn't. And then it also made me realize that that table was costing me $80 a month to store when $80 could buy me a brand new table every single month. So if you look at it that way, um, it's a very sobering thought. So I did finally start selling the items and I have, uh, I no longer have that storage unit. Now, I still now have too many things in my garage for the things that were left over and now I have to process through that and get rid of more stuff so I can clean out my garage. Okay, so even organizers have areas where they struggle. They're not perfect. They just help other people process their stuff. Okay, so now, since we're talking about being attached to ourselves, our stuff, we are attached to our stuff. We have, if you are a child in America and you didn't co-sleep, now this is a theory from Kay Patterson. So if this is something that you're being, you're like, hmm, just take it with a grain of salt. This is what she's saying. And we are attached to our stuff. If you are a child in America and you did not co-sleep with your parents and you may have become attached, then you may have been attacked became attached to a teddy bear or another stuffed animal because studies have found that kids who don't co-sleep are often using these stuffed animals. I guess they're calling them transitional items between your parent and you, and they're hugging them and becoming very attached to them. And a lot of us see these items, especially these sentimental items, as extensions of ourselves. They contain memories or they're triggers for memories. So that's what makes it harder to get rid of these sentimental items. Now, setting up your home in a way that works for you. Um, setting it up the way that you think is going to be really great for you and your family, but not try and achieve an aspirational space uh, if that is really not going to solve your problem. Remember we talked about the uh, color rainbow order, alphabetical order. To me, those just aren't practical. I know that most people decluttering can be very stressful process because it seems overwhelming, but I'm going to talk to you, talk you through a process that she believes she uses with her clients and she believes it works. And she says, first, you got to choose a chunk of time that you're going to be able to concentrate on these this decluttering process without being um, distracted. So set aside some time, that's important. It's going to help you stay focused and get and, and not get distracted and start to do other things. And then you leave a space that's disorganized and scary. And then you want to come back to it, you're not going to want to finish it at all. So you have to have some time where you're not distracted and come part 
mentalize. Um, it says, the key to not getting overwhelmed when you declutter is to compartmentalize your entire home. Um, setting up piles. You want to set up some piles. Um, just start with a small space and preferably a space that you don't go into very often because that's going to be a lot easier. Start with a small enclosed space and you want to get set up three or four piles of categories. One pile is going to be things you're going to keep, put back, things you're going to throw out or put in the trash because either they are damaged or they were trash to begin with. The next pile is things that go into another space or another room. Maybe like a library book, you wouldn't go drive that library book to the library. So you're gonna put it aside to deal with later. And the pile of stuff that you you need to deal with in another space, you can leave that for the very end. Decide ahead of time how you will discard items, what charities, you know, or who are you gonna give the items to? Have that all figured out so that when you're done and you're tired and you're exhausted, that is, you don't have to think about that anymore. You thought about it ahead of time, and now you, once you've decluttered, you're ready to go. So make sure in your head that you are already have a place in mind that you're going to take discarded items or you have somebody in mind. Uh, and then take everything out. Now, I find that this is very overwhelming and maybe you will find that overwhelming. I don't take every single thing out of the space. Now, I do three hour sessions and six hour sessions. Three hour sessions are a half a day. Six hour sessions are a full day of organizing. So when I go into a client's house, I don't wanna leave it uh, a mess. So I try to take out as much as I can get done in either that three hour session or that six hour session. Now I may have to come back and put in the bins and the labels and tweak some things, but for the most part, I try to get it. That's all that I pull out. Uh, so you have to know how much you can pull out in the allotted time that you have so that you're not overwhelmed at the end thinking, oh my gosh, I have to go to bed and I have my whole closet on my bed. So then you just dump it back into the closet or dump it on the floor and make a bigger mess. So do what works for you, but she says, take it all out. Uh, and she swears by it. Uh, recruit someone to help, someone that is objective, that you can say, uh, do I need this broken vase? I, saw, I used to use it for, and they can say, no, you do not need that vase, it's broken. And you can say, yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes it's helpful to have that friend or hire a professional organizer that will help you in deciding. Uh, seeing all your items out on display can be very sobering for a lot of people and it can even be really overwhelming enough to make them stop. But over the years, 
uh, Kay has found that this works for her and her clients. Um, I can't do that, but, uh, and then group like things together. You know, you want all your craft items together. You want all your office supply things together, uh, etc. And ask yourself questions. Do I love these shoes? Have I worn them in the past year? Would I buy them again if I lost them or had a, to replace it somehow? Uh, I only have a few items that if I lost my favorite shoes, I would purchase them again. So that means those are very, very important to you and those items are worth keeping. Um, the items that have been given to you by clients from family to you by client, uh, given to clients from family members or friends, the items that uh, you've acquired from friends and family, those can be hard to get rid of. It, uh, a lot of stress and they keeping them because they don't want to give a gift away that someone gave them. But if they're not actually being used, then that's just as disrespectful. So I don't know. Uh, that I know that that is hard, but you may, if they do ask about an item, which usually they don't, the only person that has ever asked me where an item was that they gave me has been my mom. No one else has ever come into my home and said, hey, where's that blah, blah, blah that I gave you? But if they do, you may want to tell them that you wanted to make sure that it got used so that you gave it to such and such. Someone needed it, so now they're using it. Uh, but a place that's enclosed that you don't really, you know, you're starting in a place. Again, we're going back to you decluttering a space that you don't go into as often so that if it is all pulled out and you didn't get it all done in one sitting, that it's not a hindrance. But you may want to start on the basement or the garage, uh, but just start in one little corner. Don't try to tackle the whole thing at once. Um, now, here are some of the steps to the process. Remove everything first, she says. Uh, second, group like things together. Third, declutter before buying any organizing products. If you don't declutter first, you're going to end up organizing stuff that you actually don't need. So you want to make sure that you take that first step, take everything out, declutter it before you go to the container store or Walmart or wherever you buy containers. Um, and that's also a good idea to do before you move. Declutter everything before you pack it up and move. Um, and then declutter again before you put it all in. It's going to save you money on moving the moving van because they do it by weight. They charge you by weight. It's also going to keep you from having to organize things that you don't want or need. Uh, so that's going to save you money in the long run. Store items where you use them. To store items where you use them, but sometimes that uh, that's an obvious to some, but it's not obvious to others. Some do not, uh, that's a new 
Revelation. Um, oh, wow. I use um, these storage containers by the refrigerator. So I need to use, I need to store the storage containers for food near the refrigerator. And this is now, ask yourself your own behavior, ask yourself about your own behavior. Like, what are you actually doing? I have an area in the kitchen where I tend to do the most vegetable cutting. It's just like I said about the, you know, if she cuts vegetables here, that's where she stores her knives. Now, step five, set up system you can easily maintain. Um, I think Cass from Clutterbug says, and I've repeated this over and over and over. It has to be just as easy to put away as it is to leave out. So I want you to make your life easy as possible, which leads me to the next best practice, and that is set up a system that you can easily maintain. Again, I want to encourage you to organize for the person you are, not the person that you aspire to be or want to be. You have to accept that you might not be a person that wants to take the tops off of shoe boxes to get to your shoes. So you may have to organize them differently. So don't make it hard for yourself. Make it the easiest solution to the problem that you can create that everyone in your family can keep up with. Think of the items in your home with respect. So, here is a little recap now of what we went over. Takeaways. A lot of us spend a lot of time looking for things every single day, and that is time we can't get back. Two, being able to find things in your space very quickly is going to save you money and keep you from buying a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't need or are duplicates. Three, one of the problems when people are trying to get organized is that they over-complicate the solution. What is the problem you're trying to solve is a great question to ask yourself. Aim for pretty good when you are organizing a space because pretty good is very, very achievable. Organize for the person you are, not the person that you want to be. Ask yourself honestly if you're going to be able to realistically maintain this system. Like right now, I have a treadmill that I keep telling myself I'm going to use, I'm going to use, I'm going to use, and I still haven't used it. I just need to get rid of it. Action steps. Choose a time in your day where you have a very large chunk of time where you can be free of distractions and things that you are going to be coming uh, going to be coming at you. Start by setting up piles. For example, a things you're going to keep pile, discard pile, trash pile, give away, sell, things that go into another room. Take everything out of the space you are decluttering first and group like things together store items where you use them and set up a system that you can easily maintain 
All right, guys, Kay, if you want to learn more about Kay Patterson, she does have a YouTube channel, and you can find her by typing in Kay Patterson. I have watched a lot of her uh, videos and seen her cute little dog, and, uh, and I want to tell you thank you. This has been a little bit longer video or podcast, but I want to thank you for keeping up with us all the way to the end. Thank you for watching, and I will see you on the next podcast. Thank you for watching.